I was just about to say, does my bum look big in this? <laughs> um, good evening. Good evening. Um, it's a real privilege to, um, to meet with you tonight. Um, as you can tell, I'm not a northerner. Um, I'm originally from South London. If you've been watching the Wimbledon tennis, my mum's house is about two miles away from that, down the poor end. Um, so I'm in between Wimbledon and Croydon. So um, I may slide from speaking properly to a bit of South London attitude. It just depends if I get excited or not. Um, so my accent will slide every time I minister. It, it goes. I can't keep a, a proper accent going. I'll take that off before I start. I come with jewellery and I end up taking the whole thing off. I don't know why I bother. Um, we're currently living in Mid Cheshire. We're living in um, Northwich, just outside of Northwich in a village called um, Weaverham. Does anyone know Weaverham? Weaverham? Um, that's where we're currently living at the moment. Um, now, I've been asked to share about some experiences in God that I've had. Um, and I will try not to preach, but I can't actually promise. <laughs> I, can't, I can't promise. And I was told roughly the length of time I had, and I would do my best. If I see you nodding, um, I'll come over and clap my hands next to you and wake you up. Um, currently, I'm working in a special needs school. I'm, I'm a trained nursery nurse, and I work um, in Midcheshire. I work, hence the bites all over my arm, which I'm, why I'm covered up at the moment. I work in a special needs school, so if I start signing to you or getting right in your face, I'm not being rude. I've just forgotten where I am for half an hour. Um, so, anyway... I'll be quiet. Um, okay, I'll tell you a bit about myself. I got saved at 15. Um, my parents aren't Christians. I was brought to church because that's what my mum and dad did with us girls. They're not Christians, but they went to church as kids, and they wanted to bring us up in, in the right way. So, um, so we all got taken to church. I actually believe it's an excuse for my dad to go home and have some time with my mum. I now know what that means, but as a child, he always drove us there early in the car and would make us walk a mile home after Sunday school. I now know why. Um, Anyway, moving on. Um, So that was my church experience. Every week, Sunday school, girls' brigade on a Monday night. And something in me just knew that I believed, I just believed in God from a young age. I just believed that God was real. I can't explain to you. I just knew. So from, and my mum and dad taught me to pray, even though they had no faith of their own, they kind of just taught us that it was right to pray. So we used to pray and bless the teddy bears after we'd blessed our nanny and granddad and family members. And that's how I was taught to pray. But I knew from an early age there was something about God that was real. And I loved going to Sunday school and I loved going to Girls' Brigade. And I was like a little sponge. I started going about six. And I just knew... Um, God's hand on my life. I didn't realise that what it was back then, but I just knew something, God's hand on my life, and that I was special somehow, and that I was different somehow. And um, so I grew up going to church, um, first laid eyes on my husband. He was in the same church as me. He's five years older than me, so I was 11 when I first remember him. 13, I fell in love. And between 13 and 17, I was fighting to make him mine. And I had to get all these women out the way, um, because he was the totty of the church back then. Um, 
He's the totty now for me. Um, um, but, but in those days, again, you know, I just knew that something about this guy, and I couldn't explain it. At the age of 13, I didn't understand, actually, that was God saying, he's the one for you. He's, he's your Mr. Right. I didn't realise that back then. I wasn't even a Christian back then. I wasn't saved back then, but I knew he was, you know, so there's stuff going on. And um, so I met him at 13, 11, love at 13, went out with him at 17, engaged at 18, married at 20. Three weeks after we were married, we moved to Cheshire and we became pastor and pastor's wife at 20. He was 25, I was 20. And that is crazy. Crazy. He'd done two years at Bible college. While I was busy sending up ten or a week to send me love letters, he was getting trained in eating kebabs and not sending me a letter. Um, I got occasion. To my five, I got one back. Um, mean. He loved me really. Um, anyway, so he did two years at Bible college training, and we moved up to Cheshire, and exactly in the same place in the building where we are now. And we had 16 people in the church, and we had not a clue what we were doing. Not a clue. But we loved God, and we just did all that he told us to do. And the church grew in three months, from 16 to 90, like that. And we saw people saved. We saw people healed of cancer. We saw people healed of motor neuron disease. We saw people healed of diabetes and all kinds of stuff. And we didn't have a clue what we were doing. God had a clue what he was doing. We were just being available to him. So anyway, I missed something really important now. I told you about how I got married and met Michael, but the most important thing that happened was at 15, I realised that I knew about God and I didn't know him. So at 15, I had an amazing encounter with the Lord because some older woman in the church got in my face and she said to me, do you know Jesus? Well, of course I know Jesus. I go to Sunday school. Um, well, how do you know that you know Jesus? So I came out of all these excuses. And she actually just kind of really got in my grill about it. Not in a mean way, but she kind of said the right question to me. And in hindsight, God was using her to kind of touch my heart in and to stir something up in me. So I remember having this conversation with her, and she talked about how that God wants to be your friend. Jesus wants to be your, not just your Lord and your Saviour. He wants to be those things, and he wants to be your friend, and he wants to hold you by your right hand. And something of that, as a 15-year-old girl, when, you know when you're young, and you, you, know, you have friendships and those kind of things that aren't always right. And sometimes at 15 you can feel on your own. Something about God wanting to hold my hands all the days of my life appealed to me. It appealed to me. And I remember going home, I shared a room with my sister, and I remember sitting behind my bedroom door, you know, like you do, because you don't want anyone coming in. I crammed myself at the foot of the door, and I remember praying this prayer, Lord, I know that you're real, and, and I want you to be my Lord, and I want you to be my friend, and I want you to come in to my life. I want you to take control, and I want you to have it all. I want to be yours. And I remember praying, Lord, I want you... I want, um, Lord, I want to hold you. I want you to hold my hands. That's right. Lord, I want to hold your hands. And I want you to hold my hands. And um, I just remember praying those words. I want to hold your hands. And my big sister, who didn't know the Lord, was in her bedroom. And she put on, at that exact time, I said, Lord, I want to hold your hands. She put on the Beatles song. (laughs) I want to hold your hand. Now, you see... 
My sister wouldn't play that. I don't know where it came from. Was it on a radio? Was it on a record back in those days? before CDs, but she put on the song. As I prayed my prayer, Lord, I want you to come into my life and I want you to, you to hold me by my hands. God answered me directly, bang. At 15, I was a round, fat, sweaty thing and God <laughs> spoke to me. You know, today I was very much the same as that out in the playground. Um, but, do you know, like God, if I want to share something with you, is that when you pray a prayer, God hears and he listens And he wants to speak to you. God is not dead, he's alive. And you can go to God with all your circumstances and all your issues. And you're his child and he loves you. And if he can do it for me, then he can do it for you. One of the things about testimony, one of the things about um, sharing about what God does in your life, and I've got hundreds of stories, I don't know where to go or what to tell you. Um, But the one thing about testimony is that testimony is always prophetic. It's a declaration from heaven that God has done it in this person and he wants to do it in you. And he might do it differently, but he wants to do it in you. So if you see someone get healed of a deaf ear and you've got a deaf ear, God is saying to you, here you are, this is what I've already done. I want to do this in you. And, you know, and if you've heard what I've said to you about knowing the Lord, all I did was say, Lord, hold me by my hand, then God wants to do the same with you. I don't know whether you know him or whether you know about him, or whether you really know him deep down. But I want to just lay that one out before you, okay? Testimony is prophesying to you right now, and is declaring to you right now that there is a hope for you, and there is a future for you, and that God wants to speak to you in every part of your life. He wants to speak right there where it hurts, right there where you're misunderstood, right there where you've had stuff go on that no one knows about. God wants to speak to you. Amen. Preach it, sister. (laughs) Um, So when I was asked, thank you, Teresa, for inviting me, when when I got a phone call the night before, or two nights before, I'd been sat up in bed. Now, um, this is no reflection of my husband, but I was sat in bed and I was reading the A to Z. (laughs) Okay, I was actually sat in bed reading the A to Z. I love maps. Um, I can't help it. Um, I have a map of Poland next to my bed. Crazy. We are church planters, really. We, you know, we, we love all of that. Um, he's not really into maps. He does the walking. I do the praying. I get the maps out. I pray over the map. He walks. I go to coffee shops. Um, and I pray for him when he's away. Don't be fooled. I'm not built for walking. Um, <laughs> Somebody actually once said to Michael, aren't you disappointed that your wife doesn't walk with you? And he went, no. (laughs) Um, So yeah, I'm much better at better use praying. Um, And uh, again, that's another load of testimonies where God has really intervened through direct, specific prayer into a situation. We could probably get on to, I could say loads of things really. Um, Anyway, but a couple of nights before I, was, I had the phone call back coming, I was sat in bed and I was looking through this A to Z, looking, I don't know why, and then my eyes fell on Bollington and Macclesfield, and it was like, yeah, really, <laughs> and I was like, hmm, that's interesting to me, hmm, so I thought, hmm, Lord, what are you saying, because I'm a bit prophetic, you see, God's you know, shows me stuff, and then I pray about it, I kind of work that way, I'm a bit weird, <laughs> in some ways so anyway there was this A to Z by the side of my bed and then I got the phone call would you like to come absolutely 
I will come because the one thing I, I, I realised was that you are on God's agenda. You are on God's agenda. Now, I'm a London girl. I didn't realise there was anything outside of Watford. <laughs> What's the north? People wear clogs. Um, you know, in my ignorance. And um, God brought us 20 or 22 years ago when we first got married um, to Cheshire, mid Cheshire. And um, I didn't even, I knew about the place because of cheese, but that was about it, quite frankly. Um, and, um, but when we landed here, it's just like, just know God's hand is on this land. I know God's hand is on you here. You know, I, I have a real heart for Cheshire, and it's like, um, you're on God's agenda. What can more, I don't know how else to say it, girls. You are on God's agenda. God is wanting to do something very specific through you as a body of people in this section of Cheshire. And I, you obviously have a different flavour to what we have in mid-Cheshire. And that's great, because we don't want just one lot of cheese. We want all the different cheeses um, kind of thing. Um, but I just believe that God wants to do something. I don't know how many churches are represented here, but you girls need to get together and really pray to see the kingdom of God move in this place. Push aside issues, push aside, and my face don't fit, and all those things that happen when women get together. Don't look at me like that. I've been a pastor's wife for a long time, and I could make your hair curl with what churches argue over. Anyway, move that out of the way. Um, God's heart for for Cheshire is just, um, I don't think we've even tapped into it. and when we were first up here, God was showing me things. I had no idea we were coming back again. We went back down to London. We planted a couple of churches down there. We brought two churches together. We went into itinerant ministry, which is where the crosswalks have come out from, and Michael's men's ministry. And we were coming back up here. We were offered our building, our old church building, three years ago. And we were given it for nothing. Sixteen other groups went for it. And one of the guys says... This belongs to you. This, you have the right. This is, you have the right to this place. Because God did a works, miracles, the signs, the last time we were up. And when we left, I knew somewhere deep down that wasn't the end of it. But I didn't actually expect to come back. So when we came back, I'm coming back for harvest. I'm coming back for harvest. I'll share the scripture with you in a minute, which is... a. Um, one of the scriptures that I believe God wants you guys to know about. Because um, I have a bit of a... Yeah, well, I'll go into that in a minute. Um, anyway, when we were last in Cheshire, um, I remember the Lord drawing my attention to... the. Who knows what the emblem of Cheshire is? The old emblem. It's like a shield, and it's got a two-edged sword in the middle, and it's got sheaves of corn. Now, you don't have to be Miss Prophet to work out what God is saying about Cheshire. The two-edged sword is symbolic of the word of God. Cutting down, cutting down the harvest fields. The corn is harvest. You know, you, you don't have to be prophetic. You just have to have a brain in your head. God put that idea into someone when he gave this county that emblem the sword, the word of God, and harvest. See, that's what we're linking up on. 
That's what we're linking up on here tonight, is that God's word would go forth and many would come to know him. In the last two months, we've had people come to our church. We've been praying that God would send us ordinary people. We've had a woman turn up from nowhere. She just walked past our building, walked past our building, saw that we had a coffee shop in there, came in. There's nothing dynamic about the outside of our building. She came in. and she just sat down and cried and cried and cried and spent weeks just crying in there. In the end, she actually came to know the Lord. We found out that she'd been absolutely battered to an inch of her life by her husband, who then battered her children. She grew up in foster care, not very far away, and she's had a miserable life. Now, two months before that, we prayed, Lord, send those in from the highways and the byways, those that nobody loves, those that are battered and those that are bruised. And this turns up. She turns up with her kids. This is what we're here for. And she sat at the back of our church once when my husband was ministering the word, and she just cried her eyes out and came to know the Lord. And her life has been totally turned around. She's in the absolute epicenter of our church right now and we're loving her and we're looking after her and we're loving her kids as handfuls as they are because they've seen some stuff and we're loving them and we're looking after them and that is what we're here for we're not here to be holy huddles we're here for out there we have the word of God that cuts down the harvest and the harvest has to go in the barn we are that barn, we are that family we are that storehouse that gathers in. And they might be broken, they might be screwed up, they might be a mess, but that's our job. And if you pray, Lord, send them in from the highways and byways, and you mean it, they will come. They will come, get ready, get ready. I believe we're, we're on the verge of an outpouring. You know, I don't know if you get what type of people come from Bonington. It seems a bit nicer than Weaverham to me. I don't know if you're going to quite get the... I don't know if you're going to quite get what we get. I don't know. But do you know what? It doesn't matter if you've got 5p in your purse or 5 grand stashed in your handbag. If you're without Christ, you're pitiful and you're broken and you are lost and you have no hope without Jesus. People need to go out and preach to the people in Wilmslow. People need to go where all those footballers live and speak to those women that have shoes more expensive than all the clothes in my wardrobe. Shoes that they wear twice and give away in a charity bag. Someone needs to have a heart for those that have got money. Someone needs to have a heart for those because they're just as lost as my little girl that comes in and balls her eyes out on the back of the church. Maybe God's calling some of you here to just pray. Pray for those people that think they have everything but are dead inside. Maybe. Maybe that's for someone here. Anyway. Whew. So I was telling you about the emblem of Cheshire. Um, and two years ago, um, when we first moved up, I dragged my kids around the Salt Museum in Northwich. Anyone been to the Salt Museum in Northwich? It's the high life. But I... <laughs> I went there because God said, I'm going to show you something. So my kids were going, and I was there, seriously, I was there for two hours. And it's not massive. I read everything. And for those of you that don't know, in Mid Cheshire, under the ground, there are miles of caverns where salt is dragged out and processed and shipped all around the world. Nigeria, South America, it covers our streets when the snow comes down. What you see on our highways is dug out from Cheshire. Open your eyes, ladies, right now. What are you hearing in the spirit? Open your ears. 
What is dug out from here is shipped around the nations and covers our nation. It protects our nation from accidents, from harm, from danger. Every year, salt dug out from Cheshire goes across the nation and nations. What am I going to say? It's again, you don't need a brain, really. You don't need to be prophetic. You just, you know, it comes, sometimes these things come to you. These things that are, that are underneath us, literally under our feet in mid-Cheshire. And I don't know if it, how far it goes out around Cheshire. But, um, you know, salt is just pumped everywhere. And God was showing me, um, as I went to the salt museum, he was showing me these different things about how wide the, the stretch of our reach was. And then I went and stood in front of this one little um, display. And my kids thought, my mum has lost it. Because I was, I wasn't just doing the charismatic two-step. I was, whoa! I was going crazy. Because I read, there's, there's, deep down, I mean, these caverns are like miles deep. They bring the vehicles in. They don't ever bring them out. These great big massive juggernauts that are like, the wheels go up as far as that. They leave them down there to rust. They push them over and they, you know, like it's a whole world down there. You know, some of our national um, documents are stored down there, by the way. Lots of top secret stuff are stuffed down the caverns underneath Cheshire, hidden away. We've got all kinds down there. I'm not starting some conspiracy theory. There's all kinds down there. But there is a lot. Anyway, so I was in front of this display. And I was reading about this machine that does all these amazing things underground and it was like the new all singing all dancing most technical bit of equipment that literally 24 7 rumbles underneath cheshire mining cleaning processing it does something like five things all in one um it's amazing and um but what astounded me wasn't the fact that there's this thing that's going on continuously underground mining and purifying and dragging out the salt bringing it to the surface it was the fact that that this machine was called joy continuous someone named the machine joy continuous and you know like one of the things like maybe one of the issues that we've got in mid cheshire is the church is in such a shocking state there are splits and arguments and issues. and rah, 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 rah. I've never seen anything like it in my life in 20 odd years of ministry. I've never seen something. But right in the middle of Cheshire where we are, there's been so many fallouts. It's ridiculous. And I went to the salt museum and I saw this thing, this machine, that takes the salt out, brings it to the surface and does all these things to it. And it's called Joy Continuous. You know, when you're going for a rough time and when the church isn't like it should be and when you're having a hard time and maybe your life stinks, you have to just realize, you have to just do this and you just, just understand that underneath my feet there is continuous joy. In me, whether I'm experiencing it or not, because Christ is in me, I have continuous joy. And the church has lost the fact that actually that's what we're about. We're a load of miserable guts at times. But in us is continual joy. Continual joy. You know, some people that aren't Christians see us, and they see us rowing and booting our kids, get out of the car, you're late. And they hear, you know, they hear us throwing words to our husband in Tesco's when we're fed up with him, you know, when he's packing the bag wrong, when he's putting the eggs at the bottom and potatoes on, yeah, you know, you've been there. You know, and the world watches us, and they watch our relationships, and they sometimes don't come in. They don't come near us because they don't see that continuous joy. One of the best examples of a Christian walk is that when you are going through the worst, 
In you, there is joy. In you. Because if, if you're a Christian, you have the ability to receive, tap into, and stay in that place of joy. Now, I'll be honest. I'm not always there. Um, last week... Um, some of you will know, uh, Ma- Michael's nephew was involved in a head-on collision um, out in America and um, the girl behind him died instantly. He had his face smashed in, fractures all over his face and skull and we thought he was going to die. Um, and then the church got praying and just, people were saved by chance. But we would say, because of prayer and because God loves my nephew so much, that um, the right people were on the scene that were training um, a little town away. Instead of being miles away, they're having, the paramedics were having training in the next town down. And they came straight across instantly the minute they heard the news that there was this major serious incident with five people injured. Um, there was a guy that was near to retiring. He had the keys to a heavy loader in his pocket. He was retiring the next day. And he got his keys, went up the road, got a heavy loader out, and literally lifted off this tractor and trailer off of the car that my nephew was wedged into underneath. And it sped up the rescue really, really quickly. They airlifted him. They got him to hospital. He um, was in intensive care. This was all last week. Intensive care was just awful. We didn't know what was going to happen. But we were trusting God. And inside, there is continuous joy. Inside, there is thanksgiving when things look bad. Inside, God gives you the ability to give thanks in all circumstances. And that's what we chose to do as a family. My mother-in-law came up and I had to give thanks. (laughs) Okay? All these situations that come... When suffering and struggling comes, I choose to step into joy continuous. Continuing in joy. Continuing in thanksgiving. Because, do you know what? I'm dreadful if I get fed up and depressed, and I'm no help to anyone. The top and the tail of it is, my, my, my nephew, um, he was removed from critical care. So quick, the doctors couldn't believe it. Then he's removed from the trauma wards. So quick. They couldn't believe it. And then they took out the ventilator, the drain out of his head. They did it so quick that they couldn't believe it. It had to be a miracle. We've heard so many times, that was a miracle. That was a miracle. That was a miracle. He was responding quickly and squeezing hands and moving his legs. He's walking up and down. He's eating soft food. Yeah, he's got fractures and yeah, he's got a bit here and a bit and bits and pieces going on. But God's hand is on him. You know, and sometimes things happen. Things happen. Awful things happen. But how you handle those times in your life is, is the maker or the breaker of every situation. If you step into that place where you say, you know, there might be all this warring going on top, but underneath there is joy continuous. And I'm choosing to go that way. Then God... You, ama- you see amazing miracles and you see amazing answers to prayer. Now, the next time I see you, hopefully you invite me back. <laughs> the next time I see you, I will be able to give you the full rundown of my nephew. How God is dealing with him and, and healing him and, and all of that. But we're in early stages yet. But um, anyway, I don't know how quite I got onto that. But, <laughs> but we've just seen, you know, God do some amazing, some amazing 
things and sometimes we have to get our hearts right and we have to deal with things that are in there. You know, because you never know when you're going to need to draw on that well when a situation comes that's tough. Now, we've been teaching in our church for the last six weeks on Thanksgiving. Now, we had no reason to teach on Thanksgiving. We weren't in a tough spot. But God knew. God knew. So we got into that place of giving thanks and giving thanks and thanking God in all circumstances, even though we don't have a penny. We're giving thanks to God, even though that's going... You know, God trained us so that when a difficult situation did turn up, joy came out straight away. And instead of wailing and being depressed and crying out to God because we thought he was dead... It was like, no, I'm in faith for this. I can believe God for this. My God is bigger than this. Lord, I thank you that you hear my prayer before it even comes out of my mouth. You know what I'm going to say before I even say it. Lord, I thank you that you are a good God, who is a miraculous God, and you want to do this amazing thing. It's a sign and a wonder for all my family and the 1,029 people that are currently following it all over the world, that are friends and connections from our family. 1,029 people and Loads of them don't even know Jesus. And they're watching and they're seeing all these comments that are going up. Some poor person put, why is the church hijacked this? And it was like, well, his dad's a pastor. Um, He's grown up in a Christian family. His uncle's a pastor. We've all got pastor's underpants on. In fact, we're, we're, we're all in the family business. We haven't hijacked it. We are it. Um, anyway, I digress. <laughs> There was a scripture, when I was praying earlier on, there was a scripture I I really felt that um, was for you guys. Um, And I just want to read it to you. It's Psalm 126, um, particularly verse 5 and 6. But I'll just read this to you because I was praying. I said, Lord, I don't want to just come and share some stories. I want to come and bring your word because his word is the foundation of our life. And Lord, I um, I just want to bring something that's directly from you. Um, so I believe that this is what the Lord is saying to you. When the Lord brought back the captivity of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with singing. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us and we are glad. Bring back our captivity, O Lord, as streams in the south. Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. He who continually goes forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Now, I don't have time to unpack that for you. You know, I could give you a good hour on just one of those verses, but I won't. Um, But I just felt the Lord was kind of saying, some of you here know what it is to sow in tears. Some of you here know what it is to be in such a place And you get up every day and you walk with your Lord and even though your heart is broken, you just sow. I don't feel like it. I'm not anywhere. But I believe God and I trust God. And you sow and you're crying and you're broken, but you're sowing because you believe God is a good God. And I believe that those of you here, that you are sowing and you've sown for years over your family and you've sown for years over your situation. And the word of God to you tonight is, those who sow in tears shall reap, shall reap with joy. You shall reap. Goodness, we're the breadbasket of the nation, Cheshire. We've got fields everywhere. You shall reap. It's not a mistake that you're here. 
It's not a mistake. God is speaking to you tonight. You have sown with tears. Amen. You have sown with tears. And it's time to reap with joy. Do you know, I have the privilege of every now and again getting to lay my hands on a woman that either can't have children or has had miscarriages or is struggling with pregnancy because I had five miscarriages. Okay? And I know what it is to hold in my hand. But you know what? God promised me a son. I have three children. God promised me a son. He told me that he was going to be called Ben. And I waited. And I waited. And I got pregnant. And then I lost. And I got pregnant. And then I got lost. I lost. And how many times? But I believe that God said to me, at the appointed son, at the appointed time, Sarah will have a son. Romans 9.9. Look it up. Romans 9.9. At the appointed time... Sarah will have a son. He gave me that promise. So every day, I sowed with tears. Lord, my body has just done this. I'm sat on blood. I'm sat here on my chair covered with blood. But I sow. I'm sowing because you are a God who answers my prayer. You are a God who heals me. You are a God who hears me. So I'm signing to you now. Um, You are a God who understands. And you've promised. And God never lies. He never lies. He doesn't say this to you and not do it. And there have been times when I've been at my wit's end, waiting. And then God gave me my children. In the very hospital where they said, Mrs. Vickers, there is no pregnancy here, was when we moved up to Cheshire, uh, we've been up a couple of times, when we moved up here and I was able to go in with another pregnancy in the same room where they declared death over me. They said, oh, we have a lovely fetus here. Hallelujah! Those that sow in tears reap with joy. My children are living in Cheshire. I had most of my miscarriages on the very land that I stand on now. See, if God can do it in me, and I'm not talking about miscarriages, if God can do bring a resolving and a healing, and because I was told, oh no, you can't have children, you can't do this. I had been prodded and poked, so I've had my legs here and there and everywhere, and been humiliated. You know, people have come up to me and told me all kinds of things. I've been bombarded by stupid, insensitive people. But when God says something to you, he will do it. He will bring breakthrough to you. And even when it doesn't turn out quite the way you see it, God will be your vindicator. Those that sow in tears reap with joy. They come bearing their corn with them. They come bearing. They do. Read it. It says it. I'm not lying. Bearing seed for sowing. Shall doubtless come again with rejoicing. Bringing full-blown sheaves. Not just seeds. Not just tiny little seeds. Full-grown produce. I come back to this land with three children. I left, literally left, miscarrying all the way down the M6 back to London. I'm not lying. I waved goodbye to the old building, having just miscarried. It was like the devil went, get out and you're not coming back. That's what it felt like. But I came with my children. And the very first song that my oldest son played, because he's a musician, he's 14, he plays the drums like an absolute animal out of Muppets. Um, <laughs> it's actually quite good. <laughs> But the very first songs that he played in church was like God saying to me, see, I heard you. Because the songs that I stood in our old building singing was, my life is in you, Lord, my strength is in you, Lord, my hope is in you, Lord. That was one of the first songs he played. And my Jesus, my Savior, nothing compares to the promise 
that I have in you. They were the two songs that he played first ever in, a, in family service. And when I heard that, I thought, God, you are so good to me. Because the child that I stood in that church, the child that I was crying out for and worshipping and sowing in, my Jesus, my Saviour, nothing compares sowing into the hope, sowing in, you know, sowing in faith for my future child. That was the very soul, first song he played. You know, and it might sound all coincidental and all of that, but God is a good God. God is a good God. Anyway, so I believe that God has something really specific for you. And, um, you know, with this scripture, those that sow in tears shall weep in joy. He, will continue, he who continually goes forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. If you've been sat on something for many years, I don't know whether it's ministry, family member, situation, I don't care what it is, God wants to bring breakthrough for you tonight. So if you've heard me say it tonight, then God is saying to you, it's time. It's time. Time for breakthrough. Why was I reading my A to Z that night in bed? <laughs> Crazy. I, you know, it's a bit of a strange thing. I know. But that's because you're on God's agenda today. You're on his agenda and he wants to speak to you. And to speak to you and say, where you have sown, where you've been distressed, where you've gone out day by day by day, Praying, believing, hanging in there with God. And even when you fouled up and thrown it all up in the air and said, God, I can't, and then got back on track, God is going to bring you into that place where you are actually going to start walking around a massive field of harvest. See, you've sown. He's watered it. He's grown it. He's done all the donkey work. You just chucked it out there. In your brokenness, you've chucked it out there. In your heartache, you've chucked it out there. But God's eye has been on it all this time. God's eye has been attentive to your every cry over every seed that you have thrown out. He is attentive to everything and he has caused it to grow. That's why I'm here. That's why my husband's here. That's why you're here, because we're ready. We're ready to to get the swords out, the double-edged sword in the middle of our emblem, and start chopping, chopping and gathering in that harvest, wherever it may is. It may be in your personal family life. Maybe there's loved ones that need pulling back into the kingdom of God. Maybe there's a miracle of healing, a physical healing that needs to happen. You know, if there's anybody here that's got problems with having children or you've had miscarriages, I'll pray for you because I have, I'm a bounty hunter. I am a bounty hunter for babies. I have about three live births. I have about three live births. In my back pocket, you know, I have the privilege of being able to pray and see babies restored, turned around and come through. People that have not even been pregnant, you know, they end up getting pregnant. Those that are miscarrying have it stopped. Those that are having struggles, it all gets dealt with. You know, when the enemy might have thought, you know, that's going to finish that Sarah Vickers off. Well, with my God... I can do valiantly. Is that the verse? With God, I can't remember it properly now. With God, I can do valiantly. Something like that. I'll look it up. I do know my Bible a bit better than that. (sighs) Amen. Just one thing to say. In verse 4 it says, Bring back our captivity, O Lord, as streams in the south. Um, I went to Israel about four years ago, 
and we were going down to the Dead Sea and um, the tour guide, Jewish lady, she, um, she said, oh, I've got to tell you this, because about six weeks ago, we were cut off on our coach right here. And if you know anything about the Dead Sea and um, Masada and all of that, I mean, it is absolutely, there's not a drop of water apart from the Dead Sea and that's all salty. But there is nothing around it. It's completely barren. But when it starts raining on the mountains... A river can spring up from absolutely nowhere and just flood the place and can move boulders with the force of the rivers that come down. And every time the river springs up, it's always in a different place because it's not a natural river. It's, it's a river that's crawled around a rock somewhere and taken a different journey. And um, with this scripture, when I was reading this earlier on, I just felt the Lord was saying that there are going to be rivers in your lives and they're just going to spring up like that. Just like that. From nowhere. Where the source isn't obvious. Why is that river there? There isn't a river, there isn't a, a head or a source or, you know, a spring even. But all of a sudden, there's going to be a river because there has been rain on some mountaintop miles away that has just collected and collected and collected and flowed. And, um, you know, take this back to your own personal devotional times and take it back to your church, churches whom you represent. Because, you know, I really believe that God is going to do something astounding. Not because we're here, but because he's here. Because he's here. He's written it all over every notice board if they haven't torn them down and put new ones up. You see the Cheshire emblem? Harvest. God is going to do something noticeable. There is going to be such a river of God, such a move of God coming through this place, coming through Cheshire. When, listen, when you've got so many fish you don't know what to do, call me and Michael in our boat. We'll come and help. We'll pull your nets in with you. And if we need some help, we might need some of you to come over. Because that's what we're about. We need to change all the stuff that's gone on on the surface in Cheshire and start working together and start committing to the kingdom of God together. It's not about whether, I mean, I, some of you, I don't know what churches you're from, but it's not about denominations. It's about kingdom. Same army, different regiment, we don't care, but we're all wearing, our, um, we're all wearing uniform. We're all wearing uniform. Amen. So anyway, these rivers, I just know that God is going to cause there to be in individual families. All of a sudden, bang, from nowhere, I just see... You know, you've been praying on someone in your family and all of a sudden God touches them so dramatically. You're like, where did that river come from? Who knows that you've got the next Billy Graham in your family, that rebellious son of yours. (laughs) (laughs) Who knows? Let me just give you some advice. Get out of the way and move because that river's coming. That river is coming. Let's not block it. Let's not hinder it. This bus of this tour guide that took us, she said, we were just marooned. We couldn't go that way, we couldn't go that way, because the river just went woo round and kept changing courses and going all over the place. And it was torrential flooding of this water coming down. And I believe that's what God is wanting to do with us. It's not a mistake that... Have any of you heard of a guy called Matthew Henry? You probably haven't. Um... 
if you've been to Bible college, you would have, would have heard of him. Matthew Henry in the 1700s wrote this amazing um, set of books that every pastor uses across the land. Matthew Henry's reference books. And um, he absolutely transformed the understanding and the thinking in those days and for us now of, um, of how we interpret scripture. And I've got them on my shelf, and every time I prepare a sermon, I get out my Matthew Henry's, and I get a bit of balance and a bit of background to it. But do you know where this guy lived? Cheshire. His pulpit's in Chester. Yeah. All over the world. I mean, you know, like, not everybody knows about him. But if you was to get into some real serious Bible study or go to Bible college or something, his, all his books are like, bang. I mean, there's like a set of five or six of them. They're all on my shelf. Um, I absolutely love them. They're amazing. And they don't soft soap you, by the way. They don't give you the latest Christian viewpoint on it. It's like, boom, down the line. You know what I mean? It's like real good doctrine, good stuff. So that's, that's out of Cheshire, West Cheshire. What was happening on the other side of Cheshire, in and around? Is it Mocop, Malcop, however you say it? Whoa, revival of God going on, Bidolph, Stafford, Cheshire, all around, all over, that literally went up and down the country and went abroad. Where was it? On the borders of Cheshire. Do you think God has got a plan for this place? We are literally bookended by the Word and the Spirit, both ends of our boundaries in Cheshire, East Cheshire, a move of God, revival, moving out, pouring of the Holy Spirit all along that spine there, over this side. Absolute diligent, diligent detail to the words and doctrine coming from this side. Now, guys, we're all kind of in there in the middle and spread over. You're not in this bit of the world by mistake. You're here because God has designed you to be here for what he wants to do. And I know I'm going on. Do you want me to wrap it up a little bit? Yeah. I've seen God do some amazing things, okay? I could have stayed in London, okay? Because we had a good all singing, all dancing, big old church going on down there. But God said for us to go. And we came, and for two years we were here with five or six of us praying every week, praying. We didn't have a church. We just met in our building, praying, 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 because we're believing that God's about to do something amazing, And all of a sudden, things are changing, and the tide is turning. And there's one scripture I want to just leave you with, and it's in Isaiah 60. And I just want to speak this out over you. And it's, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen on you. You're not waiting for it. It's already there. Arise and shine, for your light has come, is come, now is here. Amen. Thank you.